0: As a small boy of about four years old growing up somewhere in Michigan, I never slept more than six hours a night, something that holds true to this day. That may serve me well in adulthood, but as a small child, this drove my parents crazy because I was always up at the crack of dawn. So I spent the first couple hours of every morning fiddling around in the basement with my toys or doing my best to read the new encyclopedias my father had recently brought home. I wasn't allowed to turn the television on before my parents woke up, And I couldn't read very well, so often I spent hours lazily gazing out the front window as the world awakened, wishing I could go outside and explore. One morning, as I assumed my perch on the back of the sofa to begin my morning observations, I noticed a glint of red sunrise reflecting from across the street. My neighbor, Barbara, had left her new bicycle with training wheels in her front yard overnight, the red painted steel sending a beacon to my suddenly excited eyes. The streets were still empty and quiet, but for the early morning birdsong, certainly I could slip out the front door unnoticed, procure the neglected bicycle, and make my way down the street to the church that recently installed that beautiful red, white, and blue three-level rocket ship in their playground. That thing had been begging to be conquered. I quietly dragged the kitchen chair to the front door so I could release the chain, silently slipped out, then pranced barefoot through the cold dewy grass across two lawns. Quickly I straddled the red rally, the moisture of the seat immediately soaking through the bottom of my pajamas, but I hardly had a care as I stood on those pedals, allowing gravity to build my speed down the driveway and onto West Chester Avenue. I was exhilarated, the morning air rushing through my hair, the handlebar tassels whipping in the breeze, the sound of the wind in my ears, the thrill of liberty made possible by Barb Cleland's bicycle. It was in this one glorious moment that I understood the correlation of machine and freedom. Ladies and gentlemen, the world's only podcast dedicated to an MTGPQ coalition over 100 of the best Magic the Gathering puzzle quest players in the world. The Gods of Theros. Please welcome Nerd Thuggery. Back streets, back welcome to the Gods of Theros. So this weekend's coalition event is of Machine and Freedom. It's another two-node affair. You're going to have a total of seven charges on each node. Uh, Possible uh, maximum possible is 140 points. There's no way to lose charges on this one. So you're going to start with four on Friday. They're going to give you an additional three per node uh, about halfway through. If you don't start playing until Sunday morning or so, you'll have seven charges waiting for you. It's okay. You can get the whole thing done then. In my opinion, this is one of the easier events because on that top node, really, the thing you're concerned with is kind of putting the brakes on you. To to reach that tertiary requirement, you you can't win within eight turns. You got to wait eight turns and then win. So that's really kind of the tough one here. The other thing to consider is that because this is a Phyrexian event with the toxic stuff going on there, is that uh, you have to kind of watch out that the opponent is not going to throw those at you and you have to be prepared for it. So instead of, in addition to, uh, say, cards like Voidrend to knock them out, you might want to consider things like Disable, like Sleep with Fishes or one of those so that you can, when they pop those toxic creatures out, you have a way to deal with them. And on the bottom note, you just don't want to lose too many creatures and cast a few supports and you'll be fine. It's really not that difficult of an event. Of course any of these events you know you might get surprised by someone's deck on the other side that might throw your curveball at you or something you're not expecting. That happens. Um, you know even the best players once in a while uh, you know lose a couple of points. But 140 points is the maximum you want to get that 95 percent for Demigod status you're looking at uh, what hundred and thirty three points to qualify for that. So I wanted to give a shout-out to some new members we have. Luis Ferreira, Oda Kusami, Rorex21, and Caveden are all new to Gods of Theros. Erobos is back. I believe he's a returning member. We've seen him before, but he's back uh, and joining us. I'd like to welcome you guys into the fold. Uh, Also, one more pitch to the Discord. If you're not on the Discord, it's a great resource. When an event like this comes up, uh, some of our, our players will put in decks that they've had great success Uh, we will have channels for each event, dedicated to each event, and we post up the decks that work out. Now even if you don't have all these cards, I mean, I understand a lot of players will post up decks that are packed with nothing but Masterpiece and Mythics and, and whatnot. You may not have all those cards, but you may have five or six, and you may have the Planeswalker. So you grab that, you start it as kind of a blueprint, you fill it out with the rest of your cards, make the deck your own. But it's a great resource especially for the events where you might struggle a little bit. Uh, I know I've used it, and it's made me a much better player. All right, guys, so uh, we've gotten many submissions for the question of the day about which two planeswalkers after DACON do you consider to be the most valuable. I've gotten a lot of feedback on that. I'm not going to give away any hints until the Sunday podcast or the, I'm sorry, the uh, it'll be Monday or Tuesday when the results come out. We'll put out the next episode and that's when I'll read off those um, the results for that. Very interesting stuff there. All right, guys, good luck. Let's crush this thing. Go get them.